everyone. Welcome to Interview and Inspiration. This is Marshall Paris. Hello, I'm Josh Busio, and we're here with the amazing professor here at Texas A&M University, Rodney Hill. Uh, he has 50 years of experience being a professor, so we just want to get him, ask him some questions, uh, and see where that leads us for Interview and Inspiration. Absolutely. So thank you so much for actually having sure. us. Thank you so much for coming on here. So we do have a question that, like, just to get to know you a little bit, is what's the funnest thing that you did whenever you were in the tw whenever you were in your twenties? The most exciting, funnest thing, something like that. Uh, okay. Well, actually, I'd been working for about three years. Got registered as an architect, mm -hmm. and I really hadn't been much out of the state of Texas. So I decided to take off for six months, bought a Volvo in Sweden, uh, took a freighter out of New York, and uh, went over, to landed in Norway, and then met, uh, let's say, a Finnish student and a student from the Netherlands there. Really? And so anyhow, we went across mm -hmm. Scandinavia. When we got to Finland, uh, the Finnish student you know, took us to his mountain cabin, uh, and they were his sister and a bunch of them were there and they're doing their ritual for the spring you know it was, and so their ritual is you run and jump in the glacier lakes oh my God. and then you come out and head for the hot tub and fortunately oh, the man. the student from the Netherlands was ahead of me and uh, <laughs> he jumped in the lake and screaming bloody murder <laughs> And I fortunately stopped before I fell in oh, <laughs> and in ran, back to, the, ran the back to the hot tub. <laughs> right, right. But <clears throat> I told them, well, I was going to Russia. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, great. Uh, um, can we go with you? We've never been. I said, well, sure. And so I said, I guess we have to go get visas. And they said, no, no, you, you go to the Russian embassy. And then they will give you a sheet of paper that fits in your passport because they were both students in the U.S., and had they had Russia in their passport, they may not have been admitted back into the U.S. Oh. So you just get a sheet of paper. And uh, anyhow, this was the first year they allowed private cars into Russia. And it all, you always had to be on a tour bus or airplane or a train. So anyhow, when we got to the border, they were taking all the cars apart, hunting for spy materials, things like that. and. So I went, oh, God, you know. And it looked like it was taking hours for each one. And I didn't know it at the time, but they had uh, a law in Russia. You couldn't have any pornography of any kind. You couldn't bring in a Sears catalog with lingerie really? in it. And, yeah, I didn't know. I had a Playboy magazine in the back. <laughs> and the Russian guard saw it, and he pulled his AK, pointed oh at me. And I was going like, oh. <laughs> so anyhow, I handed him, you know, the Playboy magazine, which he immediately started, you know, looking through. And then he called all the other guards over, and they went running around. And I said, um, would you like it? You know, and they said, yes, yes, go on through. So that was my first bribe. First bribe. First bribe so that was fun. Career. First of many. First of many. <laughs> That's when you learned it. Actually, you found out a lot of really neat things. Had you had extra blue jeans, uh, anything like ballpoint pens at that point in time in Russia, you could trade for almost anything. And so uh, my son, uh, when he graduated from high school, he was on the Olympic development team 
-hmm. for uh, international trap. And he got to shoot with the U.S. team in Russia and senior in high school. So I loaded him up with extra jeans, <laughs> and he had two or three old USA jackets. Uh, he, one USA jacket he traded for a Russian overcoat, general's overcoat, oh, with oh, wow. the amulets, the old bit, and then a fur hat, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, another one he traded for champagne, leaded, mm -hmm. cut crystal champagne glasses. So, I mean, well, it was really interesting. Good tips. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gave him good tips so he got set up in Russia. Right. Well, now, actually, uh, Moving on, like to some tips that you gave your son, maybe like mm -hmm. we want to move on forward. Uh, maybe just like tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, more like on the professional side. Okay. Uh, like, what have you been doing? For, like, I know you've been a professor for fifty years. Right. Uh, so, like, can you tell us a little bit about that and your experience? Uh, sure. Uh, well, I'd been working after I got back from Europe. I worked uh, in Houston for another two years, and then uh, ended up getting married there and then uh, got accepted at Berkeley and social behavioral factors, which they were the only ones offering the degree under architecture, but it was all environmental psychologists were all on my committee. And I'd already worked on more buildings that had won awards than any of their faculty. So they essentially placed me out of almost everything and because I was already registered. So they said, they sat down with the counselor and said, well, you can write your own curriculum, which is perfect. Jeez. So uh, essentially, I was taking all psychology courses, and then uh, the n National Sculptor of Italy, Anna Chile, was there, you know, just as adjunct profs for a year. So I had both of them for a year, and then another one that was uh, a U.S. National mm -hmm. uh, Sculptor was there. So I had a great time, you know, <laughs> playing crazy. around, and then. Uh, I did a lot of artwork, welding and carving toilet seats, <laughs> which I sold at Giordelli Square and uh, then at Igor Mead Gallery. And so essentially I was working my way through school there and then um, the World Future Society opened up and I had their first meeting in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And the dean there said, well, you're the only person crazy enough to uh, teach this course because the students were demanding a course in futures. And when they start protesting at Berkeley, you, <laughs> yes, you go, yes, yes, okay. <laughs> so anyhow, um, I just started doing all the research and teaching uh, several quarters of future studies. And then uh, the dean here at Texas A&M uh, called, I knew one of the faculty members here, I worked in Houston with him, and he was looking to kind of break the place apart and not do the status quo and the usual. So he's hunting for somebody out of the norm. A little out there. Kind of <laughs> <Right>. thing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, I came here and he said, you can do anything you want, no restrictions. You don't have to follow any guidelines or really? any course structures of the way things have been taught. You're on your own. So, um, you know, a few weeks into the semester, I was, because of the psychology stuff and uh, meditations and stuff, uh, on big drafting boards. I had students laying on their drafting boards doing meditation exercises <laughs> to get into a creative mode. And we had all glass walls <laughs> along there. So the dean quickly had the janitors put your paper up so if any visiting uh, academics around campus or people coming through the college, they wouldn't see my class <laughs> uh, who were doing... Just 
meditate. Fun yeah. stuff, right, right. I would be wanting to be taking that class. <laughs> so, you know, we did a lot of interesting, you know, things that way, but it was like doing unusual things. And then, oh, we did things like um, they had a little cutesy Halloween things where they would sign pumpkins and invite the <laughs> first and second graders in. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yeah, yeah, this is kind of corny. Yeah. And so I had them do uh, scary things mm -hmm. instead. You know, uh, hmm. if you can uh, <clears throat> get the students to scream or wet their pants or whatever, you get an automatic A. <laughs> so they did things like one of them had a coffin wired up. So you lay in the coffin they'd close the lid and then they had the sounds of dirt being piled and singing and then it muted out as the dirt piled on. Oh my yeah. God. Then another one had a hangman's noose out in the courtyard and with a fake thing. Then, you know, he would... <laughs> and another, I thought they got A's. <laughs> yeah. And then others uh, actually did hanging off the stairwell where and they'd wait till a little kid rolled by and they'd oh grab the kid, God. you know, screaming oh and yelling. Goodness. And uh, I mean, they did some really wild stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you had one of the mothers chasing the dean around with her purse trying to hit him because it scared her kid so much. So the local newspaper and radio stations <laughs> and TV said, if you're coming to the architecture Halloween party tomorrow night, you have to be 11 years old are accompanied by your parents, which meant it quintupled in size. Obviously. I mean, everybody and their dog came. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it was so crazy, yeah. you could hardly get around. Well, the benefit of no having no curriculum. And that ended <laughs> all the Halloween things. <laughs> so there's, there's stuff like that that we did. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I had one of the classes, uh, they had a week to go. I said, oh, okay. You have a week to do anything you want to do. Uh, it has to be a happening mm -hmm. around campus. You can't tell anybody about it. Then you come back and give us evidence of what you did. Mm. Um, one of them had was in a band, mm. and it created a special piece. And he got in the middle academic plaza and you know played for grants. Yeah, another one got on the Century Oak, and she wrote poetry and lowered poems down. You know, as people pass by. Really? <laughs> and then this was when the trash cans were metal. Mm -hmm. And so they would get in the metal trash cans. Somebody would throw it in that say, stop that, that hurt. And then they would follow them in the trash can. <laughs> you know, scaring them. And, uh, you know, a few things like yeah. that. Yeah. That's, <clears throat> that's actually really funny. Yeah. So you actually, you regularly bring people into your classroom. You regularly bring, call it business owners or yeah. Pulitzer writers yeah. or incredible people in. So what's two or three of the things that like, you've really been able to see and like really learn from them as they bring back their stories of what they do? Well, all the creative people pretty much think alike. <laughs> I mean, they're out of the box. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they're thinking toward the future more than anything. Mm -hmm. You rarely see any of them in status quo mode. They're all going, this is going to happen, you know, and if that's going to happen, it's going to change everything. And so they get into that mode. Uh, Robert Riggs that I was talking about, that when he graduated from here, uh, the congressman in his district was 80 years old and couldn't go to all the meetings. And Robert was on the student senate at the time. Mm -hmm. So he asked Robert to come in 
and Robert got the Ralph Nader Award his first year there as an intern. Really and then ABC impressive. picked him up and then CBS. Mm -hmm. But that's how he sort of got into mm -hmm. his thing. But he was open to change and adaptation. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest thing. The same with Scott uh, Muscrip. You know, he came in as a physicist with an MBA. He actually set up all of the uh, computer programming in Mays oh, really? when he was a graduate student. Because they said, well, we have to have a computer lab. And we don't have one, yeah. <laughs> so he set the job. whole thing up. Yeah. <laughs> so, with your experience, would you say that thinking in the future, like thinking like outside the box, would help students grow and maybe become oh, more yeah. successful? Well, yeah. When you understand that your life is going to change radically, and especially your generation, you'll see more changes than any generation in the history of man. Uh, more changes will happen. You're going to have to adapt and switch learn new skills, you know, find new uh, professions to go into. Mm. You know, it's not going to be the same. Roughly 10 years from now, there's a good chance the majority of graduates won't be working in the field they got their degree in. So you're going to have 12 to 18 different jobs probably. And mm -hmm. what universities should do, the ones that are smart, should have a continuous education free program that once you graduate, you can come back, you know, so every month or two mm -hmm. and do, you know, some continuing ed and something that's completely out of your area that's going toward the future. Yeah, What's going sense. to happen? Like being more of a well-rounded person. <clears throat> yeah. So you can be adapted for when the future comes. Sure. You have a better chance of succeeding. Sure. And seeing where everything's going. Yeah. So over 50 years that you've been teaching... <clears throat> I know that like a lot of different like in teaching of called like mechanical engineering that's probably changed a whole oh, lot yeah, in teaching yeah. all of these different things. There's a lot of change. What about teaching creativity? Has that really changed a whole lot? Or what, very what few seen? people teach creativity. I mean, it's like you know they just just something didn't talk about. Mm -hmm. And if you look at uh, you know grade schools, uh, middle schools, they rarely even mention the word creativity or how to get into it. Uh, or things like that so it's like it's usually a new subject when it comes in and I guess when I was teaching in here uh, there was a couple people over in uh, environmental psychology educational psychology that were teaching the creativity thing and but it was as a graduate program hmm. so undergraduates didn't have any chance at it unless they were in our classes mm -hmm. so so you would say that creativity like plays a huge role into oh, yeah. that future-wise? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the creative people can see where the future is going, mm. and then they can create the future. What about, like, maybe, like, with all of your experience, again, like, what would be some tips so people start, like, pushing their creativity? Like, what would you recommend to do? So say I have no creativity, or, like, I don't know how to, <laughs> like, enforce it. What, what would you recommend for me to do to, like, start Oh, okay. I mean, there's a whole range of activities you can set up. Uh, you have to figure out what triggers you into a flow state, you know, where you're concentrating and th ideas start to come together. It's usually alone time, and then you have to figure out what you want to do in the environment. Um, music is better instrumental instead of with words, because words will trigger images in your brain, mm -hmm. and you don't want to uh, get rid of creative thought 
by having to think in a rational, you know, this image belongs there. It's like the coffee cup project I gave out in class yes. where you were given a set of things that you couldn't tell mm -hmm. that was coffee and they would have come up with a zillion different Rube Goldberg ideas, but you couldn't have come up with that That's had you been told how to do it. Right now, the education system is pretty much, here is what you're supposed to do, here is what you're supposed to go after, and this is what it's supposed to look like. And so everything's focused like blinders on Narrow. with a horse. Yeah, and you, this is the way you go. And you want to break that if possible. Yeah. So do you think that some people are more naturally inclined to creativity or is that something that you can actually develop over time? That you can no, develop? you can develop it. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone has it pretty much, mm -hmm. but um, most school systems confine it yeah. to where they you know, block you off because you want to memorize this, regurgitate it, you know, this is the way to go, da-da-da-da-da-da. Mm -hmm. So you want to open it up. Uh, Rodney Buane over in uh, education does that with, have you met him yet? I have not actually. Oh, okay. He's just setting up a certificate and creativity for engineering. Really? And uh, Magna Luganus, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Mark Wyckoff would be a good one to look at too. Oh, yeah. But um, they're trying to set up a thing and they've asked permission to use 101, you know, as mm -hmm. part of the certificate. So. To actually incorporate what you're teaching. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've yeah. lectured to some of their mm -hmm. classes. And uh, Holzapel mm -hmm. in chemical engineering, he's really good. He's got a zillion, you know, patents to his name. So what about like uh, Berkeley, like a high, like a well-known mm -hmm. university? Are they teaching that like when you were there? Yeah, they, they, they have. Teach right, right, right. Okay. They didn't at the time. <laughs> they were, you, well, know, like in, in, you just sort of had to, you know, figure it out. Mm -hmm. and go through and research and do stuff like that. But I mean, it was, I was always brought up creative. Uh, both my parents were artistic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was just like, that's just what you did all so the time. You, <laughs> you create, you draw. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. in the first grade, uh, I had girls in class that would bring me things of paper for me mm -hmm. to take home and sketch on. Uh oh, really? <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a oh, okay. <laughs> First something. grade, yeah. <laughs> Rodney started off young. Right, right. Awesome. Absolutely. And so, like, as you've as you've grown up, you've kind of like seen, you've worked on your creativity. You've really been able to get out there and really expand. Oh, yeah. So, is that something that you see like the world's going to go a lot more to? Like oh, they're, they're to. starting to actually realize that okay, you to. need creativity. Right. And. Humor and creativity mm -hmm. overlap in the same part of the brain. Um, like I think I mentioned once in class, if you go to a party here on campus mm -hmm. or a meeting and you know there's going to be a Nobel laureate there or somebody just inducted to the Academy of Sciences, mm -hmm. all you have to do is go into the meeting. It might be full of people, but hunt for the laughter. Mm -hmm. Listen. That's where the person's going to be. And generally they'll be in the middle of it mm -hmm. telling jokes. Ooh. Or being wise asses, you know. <laughs> you know, they they find funny things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. It's like an ind indicator mm -hmm. of right. a creative person right. because it's like matching with the humor at the same side of the brain. Oh yeah, yeah. That makes sense. It it triggers it off because uh, humor essentially uh, you're saying something that doesn't correlate mm -hmm. with 
the following and the path of what it's going to go. Oh, and then okay. all of a sudden, you have to jump over, and it creates an electric current, you know, in that part of your brain to the other part where you see it. <laughs> Just go, oh, okay. That's very interesting. Wow, that is interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. So do you try to incorporate, or I know that you try to incorporate <laughs> that into your class and right. try to bring people in who are humorous. I mean, every single one of them have been. Yeah. And so with that being said, is there anything that like you can kind of like teach someone? Is it creativity that you could teach them to be funnier or be more humorous? Yeah, well, that... that's one of the assignments, you know, where you have every other week you have to come up with an original idea. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and patent search, and you you have to, you know, get out of your mode, <laughs> you know, to to yeah. find something new. So, would you say, obviously, with like fifty years of uh, teaching, you have thousands of students. Uh, yeah. Would you say like the most successful were the most creative? Pretty much, I think. So it does have a correlation. Mm -hmm. I mean, like uh, mm, the eighth will get uh, Brian Kralovich in, who did the Xbox, you know, and. Uh, the Echo, Kindle, and did all of those, you know, and yeah. uh, design thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, he's very creative. Yeah. And the guy at Google X, you know, the same way, you know, he mm -hmm. thinks in a zillion different ways. Usually it's really good to have uh, different experiences, like a whole bunch of different majors, mm -hmm. so you can correlate or do a lot of study abroad, you know, where you're, you're thinking out through another culture because they interpret and see things differently from this culture. Mm -hmm. So uh, firms look for people that have study abroad experience mm -hmm. because that means they're probably going to be more creative and they'll come up with solutions mm -hmm. that somebody trained with their blinders on. They have like a different way of thinking yeah. because they yeah. have something else. Yeah, That makes sense. So what would be like your top three like uh, tips or advice that you would give to a student for them to like and be successful. <laughs> Set the environment up for creativity and then a lot of alone time um, so you're not interrupted so you don't have somebody coming around slapping you on the back what about Monday night football uh, mm -hmm, yeah. but you know it's like a lot of people will work late at night by themselves because nobody's going to interface mm -hmm. and you do things like you put on uh, earphones if you're going to be in a, a big study area because mm. the last person somebody will bother with somebody with earphones on and they don't even have to be attached to anything mm -hmm. yeah, the they, nobody would know mm -hmm. it's just the illusion that they were be disrupting you mm. that much more interesting <clears throat> and so I guess you need like experiences where you're actually able to go and meet people you're actually going to go put yourself out in front of people to get that experience but yeah. what if you're actually creating that's whenever it's a long time. Yeah. Interesting. It's very interesting. Right. And a lot of times you'll do humor if you're with a group of people mm -hmm. just to test things out and test ideas out mm -hmm. and see if it, if it works. So I guess uh, we, have, we have time for one more mm -hmm. question, but what's something that you've seen that like started out maybe as a joke or maybe as like something that was like one of the most outlandish ideas that either you or someone around you had that actually turned out like after a while turned into something absolutely amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean several of the students I've had in the past, you know, have done some fairly mm -hmm. outlandish things like the, the guy that did the uh, lead in mm -hmm. to Toy Story, you know, Jerry's game. Uh, everything he came up with nobody had ever thought of before. Mm -hmm. 
um, that toy up there. Okay, the assignment was groups of five. Each one had to bring in a toy mm -hmm. that was mechanical, battery-driven, wind-up. And then when they got to class, they had to take all five of them apart and then put them all back together again uh, to make a composite toy that worked. Hmm. Which gets you out of the idea of... Yeah, you, know, yeah, you have to create. Like your last assignment mm -hmm. is... <clears throat> in your group, you have to look at a project system or a service that exists in the world. You have to create another one that makes it obsolete. <coughs> so, <clears throat> you just gotta think outside the box. Yeah. In order to get so you don't have a chance to. Oh, <laughs> I have to do this, yeah. and then your assignment you're working on now mm -hmm. is a humorous one, <laughs> but you know it's like you don't think in ter those terms, mm. and you have to think mm -hmm. in a different way Sorry. to get to the solution. <clears throat> Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, interview and inspiration, <clears throat> I think the biggest points that we got here from Rodney Hill, uh, an amazing professor on the creative side, is just think outside the box and <laughs> just adapt because the future's going to change. So, always be creative. All right. Thank you so much. Sure. I'll, thank you so much, Rodney. Right. Thank you very much, and we'll see you Absolutely. next week. <laughs> From everyone here at Interviewing Inspiration, we'd like to say thank you for all of our listeners and all of the people who have supported us. We'd also like to say thank you for the people in Interviewing Inspiration who has made this possible. Parshva Adani, our co-owner and producer. Matthew Regali, the head of business development and operations. Avin Passalar, the creative director. Matthew Martinez, the business and technical advisor. We'd also like to give a special thank you to Mark LaCour for helping us get started up. He's actually got some podcasts of his own. Go check them out. They're about oil and gas, and they're actually really great. In addition, Cameron Turin, the creator of our music for this podcast, and everyone who has come on the show to be interviewed and share their knowledge. Thank you.